This is episode 203 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of Two Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know, if you're pregnant and want step-by-step guidance on how to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, how to prepare mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing, how to have your partner feel confident to support you during birth, and how to navigate a smoother postpartum recovery. My Bump to Birth Method online program is available for you to join. It's three programs in one, covering pregnancy, birth prep, and postpartum recovery, plus you get lifetime access to the program content and bonuses. Bump to Birth Method is my on-demand, self-paced online program where you can learn from the comfort of your own home through video and audio lessons on how to best connect to your pelvic floor and core in pregnancy beyond traditional Kegels, strategies to help common pregnancy pains and pelvic floor symptoms, my top strategies to prepare your mind, body, and pelvic floor for labor, how to best support you and your pelvic floor during pushing, key strategies for your partner to support you during labor, and how to navigate your first six weeks postpartum. Bonuses include expert interviews, core and pelvic floor yoga class, three strength training workouts, hospital and home birth bag lists, meditation tracks for pregnancy, birth, and postpartum recovery. Whether you're preparing for your first or fifth birth, if you're ready to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, feel fully prepared mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing and how to navigate your first six weeks postpartum recovery, then head to the show notes or go to bumptobirthmethod.com to see what other expecting moms have said about bump to birth and to enroll today. Welcome to another episode of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Anita here. And today I'm chatting with a special guest, Candice Thomas, all about perinatal mental health, including her own experiences. And so if you're not familiar with Candice, she is the owner of the Evergreen Wellness Studio in downtown Barrie, Ontario. (laughs) And Candice has been a registered massage therapist for eight years and a certified athletic therapist for over a decade. She spent the early years of her career traveling and working with professional athletes and has now found her true calling, working to bridge the gap between mental and physical health. Through her own journey with anxiety, depression, and postpartum, Candice has become a fierce and outspoken advocate for mental health and perinatal mental health reform in Canada. Candice has two beautiful daughters, Olivia and Ada, and is motivated by the lack of resources for mothers struggling with postpartum. Candice founded the Live More Project, helping to raise awareness and funds for mental health programs within her community. So welcome, Candice. I'm so glad to finally have you on. We've been chatting about this for a while, so it's great to finally have you on an episode. Thank you so much for having me, Anita. I'm so glad to be here to share and chat with you. Yeah, and we were chatting before we hit record, and I was saying we've had a number of podcast listeners ask for even more perinatal mental health um, episodes because so Mm. many people are going through this, whether pregnancy, postpartum, or both. And there's just such a lack of resources and support. Like people just really feel alone. I do hear that a lot in my physiotherapy practice. So I'm constantly referring and giving resources. So this, I think will be a, a key episode. And I think you know, a great place to start would be if you're comfortable sharing whatever you would like about your own experiences with this kind of where things started. So just my oldest is five. My first experience with 
postpartum was after having her. And I think I went into it not knowing what to expect um, or how I would react. I've struggled with anxiety and depression since I was a teenager, but I found postpartum was beyond, beyond anything I had ever felt or experienced. Um, it almost feels like you're drowning and there's no air in sight. There's no, no way to crawl out of it. Um, and the only way I ended up getting help the first time around was my daughter and I didn't have a dark berry. So we were sent to the well baby clinic where the, my daughter's doctor, she took one look at me and said, are you okay? And I curled up in a ball on the floor and started crying. And she had to hold Olivia just so I could have a moment just to cry. I didn't know what to do. And she asked if I had any help. And I said, no, it's just me. I used to live in Peterborough. I moved here to Barry when I was six months pregnant. Um, my partner lives here and I didn't have any friends or family here. It was very lonely. And if it wasn't for her, I tell her all the time, I don't think I'd be here for sure. I don't think I'd be here. I didn't think I could cope with the amount of darkness and heaviness all at once. It was overwhelming. And um, so after that, she referred me to a lot of uh, services in Barrie. I had no idea ever existed. And then, of course, getting pregnant the second time, I spent most of my pregnancy in the pandemic and then delivered in the pandemic. I knew even though I had all my tools, I took what I learned the first time. I had my people, my support people. I knew who to go to. That was all shut down. You couldn't go anywhere with someone. I couldn't, I had to do everything by myself, um, appointments, ultrasounds. Um, I think that started to get to me just even, I think I entered the, the depression before I even had Ada. Um, it was definitely this looming feeling of what to expect. Um, and I thought I knew how to manage everything, but not being shut out from all of the support that I had built was crushing. And um, I think, I don't think I could have been prepared anymore for the second one. I thought I was pretty set, but nothing prepares you for giving birth and having a newborn and postpartum in a pandemic. I don't think. <laughs> no. Thank you so no, much for I, sharing that, like both of your experiences, which as you said, like the pandemic just added all these layers on mm -hmm. top of people's experiences in pregnancy and postpartum. Um, and it, it can be helpful because obviously with Ada, the pandemic, that was a whole situation. I would love to be able to talk more about that as well, but even going back with Olivia, what do you feel like now looking back, what was missing in terms of like the support or the resources you wish were there that first time? Um, in terms of support, I would say that even though I feel like you could have a million people around you and still feel the loneliness, if that makes sense, at the end of the day, you're the mom and this weight is something you carry. Yes, people can help carry you, but you carry this weight of being the mom. Um, I, I would have to say, I think being in the hospital, having my first child, it was, it was, here you go, here's the baby and see you later. And I didn't know anything even about laceration care. I had a second degree tear and it was just, you wear these and you go home wearing these and you take this crying baby with you. I struggled with breastfeeding to the point of like, I would cry every time I would hear her cry because I knew it would be so painful to nurse her that I started to resent her for 
for being hungry. It was almost like, this is going to kill me. I can't do this. And I didn't know to ask the first time around. I think when I did ask, it was very simple. You just put them there and they know what to do. They definitely do not know what to do. And neither do we. And they have a natural instinct, but there's so much around that, that I didn't even know to ask. So for the second time, I knew exactly what to ask. And the answers still were not given, which is very sad. So with Olivia, I didn't know what to ask. With Ada, I knew what to ask. And their answer was, we don't have that, or we don't have a budget for that, or that no longer exists. So to be kind of aware of what you need and not have the resources given or where to find them, I think that's so detrimental. Like the mom, to me, me personally, I feel like you're the person that holds all of the emotional weight of your home. You are the first person in your mind to think of children first. It's always um, my, my mom thing. So for me not to be able to take care of myself, that seeps into everything I do around me, my work, my, my relationship with my partner and my kids, my mental health means their health. And it, it with us, I didn't have, I still haven't had a doctor's appointment after giving birth to Ada. Ada has had, I don't know, eight and she's just over a year old. No one has asked me, how have you been? I don't, ever, never even been examined after I've had either of my children, which is, seems outrageous. We're just kind of this feeling of you're discarded now that you, and everything is about baby and which makes you feel everything should be about baby. But, you know, you have to think of yourself first too. And just coming back to thinking about Ada, um, my mom is a huge support system for me. She's Like I was her shadow growing up and we're very close. So to have her in the room when I had Olivia meant a lot to me. So when they told me, you'll be lucky if your partner can come with you at one point, that was devastating. I didn't, I couldn't imagine that being my first birth situation. So I feel from others that had to go into that and it was their first, it it broke me to go in there feeling already lost and scared and not sure what to expect. At that time, we were being asked about, uh, we were, I was eligible for my vaccine, but I was also pregnant. And then I knew I would be nursing. So it's not just trying to figure out my mental health. It's my physical health. You have to, and no one says, Hey, like, here's, here's some research at your doctor's appointment. Again, it's very much about baby. How's baby doing? Is it growing? How's the heartbeat? No one, when I asked about vaccines or um, what to expect at the hospital, it was very minimal. Um, They made me feel very comfortable about what to expect, but I think I felt comfortable because I had already done it. Um, What, what, was so heartbreaking was being holding newborn and looking out the window on the fourth floor down at my daughter who was my parents brought her because she made me a sign that said I love you mommy because she couldn't come in the room and they couldn't either it was just it was so sad to see that And I felt bad for her because she thought the whole time I get to be your first visitor and I get, I thought I'd be able to hold both my kids and I couldn't. And that was awful. And to think how profound that was on my mental health. I hadn't even left the hospital yet. She wasn't even five hours old yet. It was crushing. And even when I asked, um, at the time, you know, could I speak to someone? Is there a social worker or someone I could speak to? Because I checked all the boxes on my intake form about, yes, I have experience with mental health. 
Yes, I struggle with anxiety and depression. Yes, I would like to speak to someone. There was no one and no one came and you were in and out of there in 24 hours. So the work is left to the mother and you can imagine caring, depending on your birth, trying to manage a second degree tear and breastfeeding, not sleeping, not eating, your whole life turned upside down, add a toddler, how, and in my case, I was running a business and going through a pandemic with my business at the same time. It felt like everywhere I turned, something was on fire. And to think that no one, there is no place to go specifically for, I need help. You have to go and find it and good luck. You're lucky if you run into the right person. I was lucky enough to run into the right person. And that's the only way I'm here today. I, I think the system is so broken and it's such an obvious issue. I don't understand how it's still an issue. Um, yeah, I, it was very hard. It's still very hard. I think I'm still trying to navigate um, all the things because I have one child that's in school and I had a newborn at home. I didn't want to take school away from my one that was looking forward to it, but I also knew she'd be bringing things home to my newborn. And then school was canceled and without notice, it was, right? It's all the, we love to know things. That's how we mentally prepare for things. But if you're just taking a stroll every day and someone's pulling the rug out from underneath you every time, you're not ready mentally to hit that wall. And I just don't think it's fair and it's still happening. They didn't tell us that school wouldn't open back up. So trying to manage my five-year-old's trying to explain to her why school's closed, but still give her the attention and doing online school and having a newborn at home is not recommended. <laughs> Long story short, definitely not. No. Yeah, no, that is, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> with, I mean, so many things, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think I know like so many people who are going to feel validated from what you just said. I really hope so. Cause I've seen my friends go through it and I'll get random messages. Who do I see? Who can I go see? I, I need help with this. You're asking me, like, I know there's something wrong when we have to depend on each other to get through this. That's not how it's supposed to be. Yes, we're supposed to have each other, but we're not supposed to be the only solution. That shouldn't be on us. That's not fair because we're all just trying to hold it together and then hold each other together. It's really hard. Yeah, I just, like I said, I think mm-hmm. it's so key that people hear what you just said because so many of my clients have a similar story. And you have been one of the people that have experienced both. You experienced pregnancy and postpartum with Olivia outside this pandemic world and then with Ada in it. And there are just so many layers that were added on, on top of all the layers that yes. are always there. And, and yes. I know you've, you've mentioned on social media, like you've been such a big advocate for this and I'm just constantly like wanting to get like more and just sharing (laughs) everything that you've that you've talked about and one of the stats that came up with what you shared was that 98.5 percent of care providers Mm -hmm. say the current system is insufficient for supporting perinatal mental health and I'd love to hear from you what, what do does, I think? Yes. What does that mean <laughs> to you? There are so many, again, layers to that as well. Yes. Yeah. There's so many layers because it, I find it can get very political when we start kind of sifting through certain reasons as to why things are the way they are. But 
working with the Canadian Perinatal Mental Health Collab um, with Patricia and Jamie as their social media ambassador, they give you a platform and they hand you a mic and they say, please share your story because I know you're not alone. We know you're not alone and sharing is, is going gonna, is gonna to help all of us. And so they put together the survey for healthcare practitioners to fill out. I mean, like OBs, doulas, midwives, anyone in the birthing world to fill out. And that was the number they got that 98% thought the current system is insufficient. That's outrageous. And to think about, just, just think about that I, because having Olivia and Ada in and out of the pandemic the health mental health care system didn't change. It still has not changed since having a pandemic. Like you'd think that they would pivot and understand what mothers would be going through on top of everything, plus a pandemic. You'd think that they would have more resources and start putting more funding into helping us. It never changed. Nothing changed. So I'm not surprised at that high number because they're probably seeing a lot of us come to them and what they offer us, they know isn't enough, but what else can they do? It's very hard. And I'm a fierce advocate for it because I have two little girls at home and I don't ever want to see them have to go through this either. And I would do anything to make a difference for them. And I think what they what is happening to us now is so insufficient. We shouldn't have we, we shouldn't have this struggle when we know it's such a big thing. It's it's not something that's hidden anywhere. You could go anywhere and find this. You can you don't have to go for, you can ask someone in the same room as you as if they've experienced something like this and the answer would probably be yes or they know someone close to them. So to think that no one is making a huge strive to, to work on this is outrageous. Politically speaking, I learned a lot about the politics that goes into, I know you mentioned speaking about Bill 176 and uh, it was Bill 176 was just a way of saying it was a private bill brought forth by the NDP Butilla. And she drafted this proposal. It's a, it's a, the strategy is, can we please look at the current mental health system for mothers? Can we please look at the perinatal mental health system and, and kind of look through and get the numbers and see what's working, what's not working and readjust or pivot or change, take things out. Let's see what the pulse on this is. That was it. It it, it was literally, could you please look into this in short? And the conservatives said, no, not at all. Like, <laughs> and they voted it down, not once, twice. And this was even with having the information of the survey of healthcare practitioners all over. So if we're asking for it, our healthcare providers are asking for it. How is this not being put through? I can't, I think that's what fires me up to speak out and say things for sure. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. was, this was back earlier this year. And I think when you were speaking out about that, I think it reached so many, so many people and everyone was like, seriously, is this <laughs> yes. actually happening and yes. when it was twice, it was just like, yeah, yeah that, yes, it, just how. And so with that, did anything come out of it the second time? I think we, when we had the world, uh, maternal mental health day in May, it was the second time I was speaking, but this time it wasn't a press conference. I was speaking to mothers from across this country and, we did have Heather McPherson, who's an NDP um, MP, uh, to be a guest speaker as well. Um, I think what comes from it is that fire 
is seeing, telling these stories and connecting with other women, it, it, it's like passing on this fire and it's this domino effect and we just get louder and louder and louder. And that's what we need. We need to not be quiet because that's what happens. We, it becomes this wave and we have to keep going. It can't just be one, one time. And because it's something we're going to struggle with until it's fixed. It's unfortunate that the bill was struck down, but what came from it was beautiful. Like the, the connections we had, like you said, there were so many people that were like, what? And politics can be so messy. And when I said, why don't we talk about bill 176, even with, even for myself, I'm like, what is a bill and how does it get passed? And who are these MPP? Who do I need to speak to? Um, that can all get very overwhelming. And for someone that's already sh struggling, adding that to your plate, I think is just a bit too much. So my goal was to say, here's a sentence of what Bill 176 is. <clears throat> this is how it will impact mothers. This is why we need to fight for it. And this is what the benefits are for all of us. Instead of talking about all the politics and the messy things in between, it's just this is what we're going for. Are you on board? Let's do this together. And I think that's what made such a big impact. Mm -hmm. And for those listening, I will link in the show notes so that this may be the first time you're hearing about Bill 176 as well, but we'll link in the show notes just so you can read more about it. And I was wondering too, Candice, if you can share more about the Canadian Perinatal Mental Health Collab, like what that is and kind of resources in that. So <clears throat> the Canadian Perinatal Mental Health Collab is put together by Patricia Tomasi and Jamie Charlebois. And they founded this and their whole goal to start off was just to bring, bring awareness to perinatal mental health. And it's grown into this massive platform, which is amazing, but their whole strategy is they're calling for a Canadian perinatal mental health strategy. And that's what they're constantly pushing. They're reaching out to MPPs and MPs constantly trying to connect um, with politicians to help pass bills that are going to make a huge difference for mothers birthing persons all across the country, not just here locally. It started locally and now it is just massive. There are, um, I think my friend Ashley Clark and I were the only two social media ambassadors. And now after May, it's just exploded. We have people speaking out all over the country. It's incredible. And when we have our, our meetings I sit back in awe, like there are women working on this that have psych degrees and PhDs, and they're doing the work, they're doing the research every single day outside of their normal job. So we can put research and, and speak up and have something back it up and say, look, we did the research for you. Here it is. I think what they're doing is so commendable. They're almost doing like the work and then they send us out to kind of to spread the word yeah no mm -hmm. that's it's incredible and I'm gonna add that link also to the show notes there'll be many links there <laughs> because like I said just people are looking for more support more resources and how to get involved and I wanted to go back a little bit to, you know, back to that statistic with care providers and them saying insufficient perinatal mental health support. And then also with your two experiences postpartum that you said you still never had kind of those postpartum yes. appointments. And so I'd love to hear from you because again, I hear from clients all the time and all I've gone time. through two births and had my own experiences with postpartum care and knowing how that can be, at least in our system here in Ontario. But what was missing? Like, did you not have the appointments at all or did you have appointments, but just felt what was in them didn't address what you needed? Like what, what exactly was it with your experiences? 
Um, my first, when I had Olivia, I didn't have a doctor yet in Barry. I had an OB. So when I went for my six week checkup, it was, how are you? How is baby? Have a good day. <laughs> it, it wasn't even a physical checkup, which I probably should have had because I did have complications after with my laceration, which they would have known if they had checked. But of course, I didn't know what to say. And I think at the time I felt if I open my mouth and I say I'm not doing well, I don't know what happens after that. Does that mean I'm not going to be a good mom? Is someone going to take Olivia away? Um, will everyone find out I'm a bad mom? Just things like that in the beginning haunted me. I didn't know what to even ask. It wasn't until I was referred to the Berry Family and Community uh, Health Team um, where they have a lot of social workers um, and they offer classes. I was referred to them from the Well Baby Clinic um, by Dr. Andrea Maldez. And the funny part was I had to pass an interview to get into the classes and to see a social worker before, because the waiting list was so long that you have to be at a point where you, you might self-harm to get help. So it's not, I need help. You get help. It's, I might die. So now I get help. And I'll never forget that interview because I had to say all of the things I was afraid to say because I knew if I didn't, I might not get any help. And yes, you can pay for private counseling for sure. But in my situation as a private contractor, if I'm not working, it's that it was, it's not possible. Um, and for other people, it's not possible financially for them. And when I did counseling services, I did get into the classes and made a huge difference. I was in a room full of people in the classes. You can do one-on-one. -on -one. I chose to do a group. I do well in a group, especially when I can feel like I'm not alone because everyone in this room feels like me. It makes me feel less lonely and scared. So the classes were incredible. And a few years later, I raised money through the Live More Project, which is a foundation I started and named it after my daughter, Olivia. It helps raise funds to go towards more programming at the Berry Family Health Team. So through those funds, they were able to add more classes. It's not the first time I've done it, but it's definitely the first time I've, I've experienced postpartum and needed those classes. I did the same thing in Peterborough before I moved here, um, taking mindfulness-based stress reduction classes. I thought that why doesn't more, why don't more people come to these things? Why don't more people know about these things? Well, they don't have enough money to fund more classes to have more people. They don't even have money to get transportation so people can get to the classes. So I raised money and donated money so people could have free transportation to get to classes. And it's just, it's just sad to think that has to come from, from us to help us. Um, it's, it was a huge, I just was lucky the first time. The second time, everything was virtual. When I had my doctor's appointment. It was over the phone. And I had to explain how I was feeling mentally, that I wasn't in a very good place. It was a very dark, dark place. And I knew all too well what that place is like. And their response was, I can write you a prescription, which I have no issue with at all. That's great. But that was it. I got a phone call and then they're like, okay, we'll call you back in six weeks and follow up. Do you know what can happen in six weeks from now with sleep deprivation, loneliness, and it was winter. It's always dark. You can't go anywhere because everything is closed. 
you're too scared. I personally was too worried. Where do I take my newborn? We spent a lot of time outside, but again, you're still alone. You're not hanging out with friends. People didn't come in my house. I had friends come to the window. That's about it. So all I got from my doctor the second time around was a phone call to this day. That's it. That's over a year ago. So what needs to happen is, is the same thing that happens with physical health. If I fall down and I broke my arm, I would go into the hospital and they would give me a cast. I would, I, they would do something for me right there. And then I don't have to wait two years on a waiting list for someone to put a cast on my broken arm. I go in and I get it. I might have to wait in the ER for a little while, but I'll still get help. And I don't have to be interviewed. How bad's your pain? Well, it's not that bad. So you could go home. It's not like that. So mental health should be the same thing. When I deliver a baby, if I bring a human into this world, my care should be top notch. Nothing should be missed at all because it goes from me and it trickles down into the rest of society. If we're not well, society is not well. The economy doesn't even work the same if we're not well. And look at the amount of business, business owners in Barrie alone, entrepreneurs, female, huge number. What happens if we're not well? This city doesn't do well. So it pays to invest in us, not just for the economy, but just as a human being, I think when I deliver a baby at the hospital, I should have not just a team of people, but I could have access to a network of people immediately, not, not six weeks later, maybe, or a year later, I should be able to have an assessment if I fall down or if I get hit while playing a sport and I get a concussion, I do a scat, a scat card. So I have baseline and then I have what it happens as soon as injury happens. Why isn't it like that with mental health? Why doesn't someone say, okay, here's your baseline. Here's where we're at. So now we know what's missing and what to do and how to improve from there. Or what can we help you with? Because it's all subjective. I go in and I tell you how I'm feeling. Where's the objective testing? Where's that? Um, I think that moment in the hospital is key. I should be able to explain to someone my feelings. And you might not know, you might be great. We know that postpartum can hit people six months, a year later. So I should be followed up immediately after birth, three months, six months, nine months, and a year later. And then follow-ups after that, sure. But those should be mandatory, I think. I think even if you don't feel like you're experiencing postpartum, you should still be able to have the time to go talk to somebody and say, look, I'm, I'm really struggling with breastfeeding. Do you know someone that can help me? Oh, yes. Go to this lactation consultant. I had no idea it would be that difficult until it was difficult. And thank goodness I was lucky to find a lactation consultant because also that is a waiting list as well. That should happen at the hospital. I shouldn't have to fall down to then pick myself back up after having a baby. Somebody should be there to make sure that this, we're going to make sure this person doesn't fall. And if you do fall, we're here. You have people here. So yes, I have people that are around me that love me and care for me. And they'll be here when I get home from the hospital, but in my head, my mental health needs to be supported from day one up to a year for sure. Yeah. And Sorry, I think, that was really no, long, Anita. <laughs> no, no. I got I, fired up. <laughs> everything you're sharing, Candace, do not, do not hold back or stop because like I said, people are being validated, like every single thing you're saying. And I completely agree this whole postpartum health. I mean, there's the whole physical recovery, which as you know, we've had pelvic physio, you as an RMT, like Yes, there is the physical recovery and yes. mental and emotional health. I a hundred percent agree is just as important as the physical health. And it's, it's yes. not looked at in that way. 
And I don't like to use the term invisible, but I know you and the listeners understand when I say like, yeah, it's different than the physical because like the fact that you had to have an interview <laughs> yeah, so that they could then validate that, yes, you were at a point that you could be in this class like that already is saying there's yes. a lot of work, a lot of work to do. And I feel like there's, this is really great for people if you're pregnant, if you're postpartum, if you're planning to be pregnant, just hearing that there are differences between locations, like wherever you live, whether you're in Ontario, like Candace and I are somewhere else in Canada, in the US, around the world, supports can look different. And ask, like if you're pregnant, asking about these ahead, about postpartum supports, what's in your community, what is available, because I know there are some depending the type of care provider, if they work in a team, there are some teams here that have a social worker that have lactation consult that have these supports there mm -hmm. for you, but not everyone does. So it's like asking, but then also going back to the whole, when you were sharing about postpartum, like in pregnancy, we get prenatal appointments first monthly, <laughs> then every two weeks, and then every week for those yes. for your entire pregnancy and then postpartum there's one and as Candace mentioned which this is not uncommon at least where we live that postpartum appointments I was looking if there was a pattern with my clients and there was no pattern it didn't matter OB midwife hmm. GP it didn't matter at uh, unplanned cesarean a planned cesarean any type of vaginal birth there was no pattern on who got the in-person six-week appointment and who got the phone okay. call. And what I found challenging, and I kind of, I know a lot of care providers. And so I, you know, both sides, everyone is being pulled, especially during the pandemic, but it was definitely challenging to see my clients who had a, at six weeks, you know, an unplanned negative experience, traumatic experience with a cesarean birth. And I was the first person to see their scar or the first hmm. time that they got to yeah, fully, that's... fully share. And I would always tell them like, you can totally go to your care provider. Like if you have questions about anything that played out or, you know, anything of that matter, but also in pregnancy telling clients like if at any point during those six weeks, you like how you had with your second degree tear, I always tell them ahead of time. Like, if you have questions about how you're healing, you need to call your care provider and say, like, I need to see you because something isn't right. But yes, I yeah. think it just changed yeah. a little during the pandemic because yes. they were not. Yeah, yeah, it was. We'll see you over the phone. Yeah. Please describe yeah. what you're experiencing. To me. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what I think was challenging because it was kind of like I said, like some people could see them in person. And some yes. people had the phone call. So there was really no systematic way people were being seen, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's just, but that's, that's the hard part because if you have the strength to say something, it takes a lot mm -hmm. to just say something. And then you, if you're denied on the other end, that, that could be, that's, that's, a, that's the it that's the end for some people. They, they reached out and they were told no, or they reached out and it, and what they got is, is not helping. I, or it wasn't understood or taken seriously. I think a lot of like, for me, even I was lucky that when I reached out, the response is something that I needed, but during COVID it was a lot of no, sorry, we can't help you with that or we're doing it this way now. Um, it, it's devastating to your mental health, especially if you have the courage, you, you build up the courage to speak out, to be shut down is devastating. And your first words should not be denied. That right there is starting a ripple effect that could be irreversible for some mentally. I think the system is broken. I don't think the people I saw, even if they could help me more, I don't think it, what I needed more existed, if that makes sense. My first time around, I was lucky to find the right people. 
my second time around, I, the access to those people was um, reduced. And even the people around me, I could not see because of COVID. But I, I think we're just lacking a lot of the things that we should have in place. So even if you go see a social worker, you might need more than that. And it doesn't exist. How is that? How does it not exist? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's. It, yeah. yeah, well, I'm sure you see a lot, but think about yeah. what you're taking yeah. on as well. Like, e- even as a healthcare practitioner, you're a pelvic floor physio. So, you're, you overlap. So, just like I do with in terms of mental and physical wellness, which we should be doing anyway, you know that what we think translates to how we feel. And if you're seeing a mother before and after, you probably see a lot of change before and after mentally and physically. But that's a lot that falls on us as healthcare practitioners. So now what do we do when we've reached our scope and we've reached our limit in terms of treatment? Who do we then refer on to? So people are lucky if they come and see you because you have a million resources, but not everyone has these resources because it's not a, it's not a national, it's not on a national level, how we treat perinatal mental health. And that's what the whole goal was, is to have them look at what it is we do as a country for perinatal mental health and what can we do better? So we're getting there. Mm-hmm. But there, are, there is a ways to go, and I totally. And there is a ways to go. Yes, <laughs> and yeah, I totally agree that it's like we're one small piece of, of it, yes. and like you said, not everyone can access, um, access that. So, yeah, we will have to have you on again because <laughs> to see, to see as things, things do need to change, and yes. I'd love for you to share with our listeners, like. You've shared along throughout the episode, but if there was something like a piece of advice that you would give, whether someone is pregnant or postpartum, um, yeah, what mm. what would you share with them in terms of um, perinatal mental health? Wow. I would say, I know it's so redundant, but you're not alone at all. Even if my story sounds different than yours in a lot of ways or not a lot of ways, you're, you're not alone at the core of it. The core of it is that we need more for the things that we're going through. Like we're making tiny humans, like you're not doing a small job. And don't let the world make you feel like you're doing a small job. Your job is huge. And every day you might feel insufficient or not enough or lonely, scared, anxious. You are not alone in those feelings and feelings are meant to be felt. So if you are feeling anxious and down and scared, you are allowed to feel those things that has no no effect on how you are a mother, you, you, or a birthing person, you are that person, regardless of how you're feeling. I think that reaching out is hard for some people like to verbally reach out. I think if you're going into it, find your person that knows you the best and would say, without, with, I have those people without me speaking, they know, okay, she's, she needs help today. Those people, because there are going to be some days that you won't be able to speak up for yourself or advocate for yourself. So you need those connections. And I think we're, we're working to make it better. And like I said, at the the world maternal mental health day is that we're moving mountains, but we have to do it together. And sharing is such an important part and being part of this big push is none of us are going to give up until we get it. So yeah, that's what the advice I would give and a little bit of support and encouragement there too. Love it. Love it. And 
I would also love for you to share, Candice, about your guided meditations and just that whole meditation mm. side to what to what you offer. So I have about 15 to 20 recorded meditations that I wrote myself and I spent a f- the last few months of my pregnancy recording them in my closet because we could no longer go to a recording studio. Um, and um, I offer them through the Live More Project page on Instagram. Um, and because we couldn't, we couldn't have classes, I used to host them every week at my studio, uh, guided meditation classes, movement classes, just to connect and take a moment for yourself and your mind and even walk away with some mindful strategies to help cope with the everyday thing. Um, that you're going through. Um, But now we're starting to open up again. So I've been offering outdoor classes so people locally can attend. And I, of course, have made the road trip back home to Peterborough to offer some classes in person there as well. Um, I know that years ago, meditation saved my life. And it's a practice. It's not something that is a cure for anything by any means, but it's a tool that I know that is in my back pocket every day, all day, that if I need help to get through my own mind, it's there. Um, And I encourage others to find their tool. And if meditation is it, I'm happy to help. Love it. Well, we'll, we'll make sure to put those links in the show notes. And can you lots also of links, Anita, lots, lots of links, a lot of them. <laughs> and then also a couple more, um, where can people connect with you online and in person? I spend a lot of my time in Barry <laughs> at Evergreen. My studio is called the Evergreen Wellness Studio. It's in downtown Barry, um, overlooking the water. It's a fantastic spot. And you can find me on Instagram at evergreenrmt. And our website is www.evergreenmassagetherapy.ca. And you can book even a mindful massage. So people that want to see what meditation is like, they're not really sure if it's for them, but everyone loves a massage. So I developed the mindful massage. So people are listening to guided meditations that take them through breathing exercises and body scans and the the visual meditations while they get their massage. So they're more present for their mind and their body. So even if you just kind of want to see what meditation is like, it's a great way to introduce yourself to it. And then of course, come out to one of the classes here. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Candice, for being on, sharing your experiences, sharing more what needs to happen in the realm of perinatal mental health. So thank you again for being on today. Thank you so much for having me. And, and like I said, we're moving these mountains. It's happening. So yes, thank you for letting me share today. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 